There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mike Boris. If this year has shown us anything, it's that mobility, flexibility, and understanding your customer are absolutely essential to any successful business. Customer loyalty is hard to win, and you can't get it by just offering a great product. You must create an amazing experience around your brand as well. If you want to create customer loyalty, no matter what business you're in, you have to truly understand your customer's needs and adapt to reflect these, and that's in addition to creating a great product or experience. So today, I'm speaking to a guest who knows a lot about investing in customer care, establishing loyalty in your customer base, and leveraging technology to redefine mobility, and that is Scott Thompson, CEO of Lexus Australia. I'm going to ask Scott how the Lexus brand thinks differently when it comes to creating consumer satisfaction in an ever-changing environment, how they are ahead of the curve in creating luxury experiences for their customers, and how you can apply these principles to your own business. So let's get into it. Scott Thompson, welcome to The Mentor. Thanks for having me, Mark. Great to be here. So now, Scott, um, I want to quickly just introduce you as the the guy from Lexus. I mean, I'm not into titles, but, you know, you're a boy from Bankstown. I am. But you are the CEO of Lexus Australia, right? That's true. That's true. It's my, my current posting, but I'll always be a boy from Bankstown. I see you have a cricketing career, and I, I mean, I've always, I've got this thing that uh, a lot of good sportsmen actually can make very good business people within organizations in particular because they have the discipline uh, that they used to have to use in their sporting career in order to run their sort of particular job. Do you see any correlation between that for you? What's the cricket connection? Oh, it was my past life. I, I basically born up being a cricketer. That was my life before, uh, I suppose, becoming an executive and moving into the world that I'm in now. Um, grew up in Bankstown, uh, playing grey cricket for Bankstown, then across to St George and was fortunate enough to represent my state, but uh, gave me a good grounding. So what period are we talking? It must have been like the 80s or something like that, 80s or 90s? Yeah, 90s. 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 So finished school in about 89 and then uh, played in the 90s, yeah, 90s, so, early 2000s. And you went to that great cricket club, St George, and uh, it turns out that uh, one of your cricket coaches or captains was a, a mate of mine, a guy called Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan was one of the best captains I think I ever had. Long-term friend, mentor, uh, but one of the best captains I ever had um, over the years. He was uh, instrumental in getting me to, to to move from Bankstown to St George back in the day. And uh, one of the things I, I remember thinking about Paul Ryan, and, and by the way, a number of other sports people who were involved in my old wizard business. Paul was my head of distribution in the wizard business and was my partner. 
One of the things that I remember observing was that uh, relative to other people, elite sportsmen um, had a certain discipline and structure to their life and they actually were able to transfer that over to business. I mean, has that been an advantage for you, do you think? Oh, look, 100%. I think sport and team sport especially provides that, uh, that opportunity to learn how to be part of a team. It teaches you about hierarchy. It teaches you about leadership. Uh, it teaches you about communication. There's so many life lessons that, that I've taken from cricket that have basically helped me in great stead in business without a shadow of a doubt. Now, most people would know I have a relationship with Lexus. I have to declare it up front. I do have a relationship with Lexus, a commercial relationship for that matter. But I so happen to be a big fan of the whole Toyota Lexus thinking. I mean, I got lots of mates in Toyota and Lexus dealerships around the country, particularly here in Sydney. Um, I've done a lot of work with Lexus over the years. And one of the things that I get, and I'm not here to, you know, to promote you guys. It's not, it's not about that. But I just want to put this on the table straight up. One of the things I get about the Toyota Lexus, the whole environment, what Lexus stands for, what Toyota stands for, there's something to do with a huge sense of teamwork. And it seems to go right through the whole organisation, has this unbelievable sense of teamwork and culture, you know, within the organisation and, and, and fantastic structures. Um, what is it though? That, where does the culture come from? Does it come from Japan or does it, what do you put this great culture down to? Look, I, I think you, you've hit on one of our secret ingredients. I've got to be honest with you, Mark. I think our culture across the entire organisation globally is outstanding. Um, it's a very simple focus, a very simple philosophy. Uh, I break it down to two core elements. And one is about respect for people. Uh, and the second one is around the thing called Kaizen, which is continuous improvement. And those two things working in parallel together um, are probably the key ingredients to our culture globally. And no matter who you talk to across our organisation, they will basically remind you of those two things. It becomes the focus of our daily life, I would say, respecting all people um, and basically trying to improve on what we did yesterday, being a better person, being, putting a better process in place. My view is, is that is the focus for us and always trying to do it with a sense of humility and gratitude. And, and that is our culture. That is our brand. That's very interesting. Um, for people who are listening to this, and we get a lot of small business owners listen to this or business owners in general, and one of the things, you know, I, I mean, I'm always harping on about the concept of uh, people and culture in an organisation, and to some extent that actually presents the brand in my view. Is it because the Japanese, where this all started, make sure that they recruit the right people in the right roles from the beginning so it works from the top down then when it gets down to the the more administrative jobs within the business then it starts to push back up to the top? Is it because the Japanese make the decisions about the right people at the right time or is it anybody can adapt to this culture and it's the culture is so compelling that no matter who gets in the job, they immediately become enamoured by the culture and start to promote the culture. Which Where does it start? I mean, where do you think? Yeah, look, I think it's the second. Um, I, I think there's definitely an ethos in our business that we definitely employ for attitude uh, and not aptitude, and you have to be willing to adapt to, to the culture that you're being a part of. Um, look, I think you learn to grow. I, I've been in the organisation for 16 years. I've had stints over in the US. So I've spent a lot of time in Japan, um, and I learn every day about our culture, and I get enthused by the what we do, how we do it on a daily basis. I never stop learning. And I think that is the that it's the infectious culture that we do have in our organisation that people learn every day about how we do business, why we do the things we do, um, 
And I, and I just believe that, it, yes, it is infectious, and I think people do grow into the business over time. I want to give you an example of something that I experienced with Lexus dealerships as such, as, which is where the consumer goes to, is in Sydney City Lexus, and that's in, um, you know, just down there in Waterloo. It's a big outfit. It's a huge organisation, right? And my first experience is I went in there and I, I, I got a car, and uh, when I got the car, there was a – it was draped over the car before I could see the car was this beautiful um, sort of velvety looking uh, drape. And as I walked in, they took the draping off and it was like a revelation, so to speak. And I thought, oh, well, that's pretty good, but they've done that because it's me and, you know, I'm getting a bit of special treatment. I've had a bit of few tags on myself and you know as well as I do, growing up in Bankstown, we're always told by our parents, don't have tickets on yourself. That's a bit of an, a Bankstown saying. So I immediately thought to myself, well, Mark, drop that, drop that sense and uh, maybe they do it for everybody. So, But I never really thought much more about it. Then I went back there for a particular reason. I went back there to do something because um, that particular dealership and I helped out some people who were affected by the bushfire. And I, I went down there just to talk to them about something and we we're going to film with them. And somebody else, just a, a random person, was coming to pick their car up and they had exactly the same treatment as I was getting. They, I saw the, the car was there in the showroom and there was this big draping, like drapery type thing over the car so you couldn't see the car. And then when the individual and his wife walked up to get the car, they removed the drape and there was this beautiful presentation. It was like a gift. And I thought to myself, wow, it's, they must do that for everybody. So this um, point I, I just want to put to you, if you don't mind, this point of everybody's treated like they're a king or a queen or a prince or a princess or someone really important. Is that a big part of the whole Lexus ethic or ethos? Uh, Everybody is really important because I I got a shock when I saw it. Look, Mark, while you are very special, there's no doubt about that. And I, and I, and I won't basically even argue with you on that. Uh, Every customer gets that kind of treatment. Um, It is part of our brand. It is part of our ethos. Um, I've got a small thing that I carry around with me every day, which is called our Lexus Covenant. Um, this covenant was developed 30 years ago, and it is basically what our brand uh, is all about. Uh, and one of the key lines is there is that we treat every customer like you would a guest in your own home. Um, and that philosophy stems into everything that we do. So customer care is at the forefront of the entire experience with our brand, Um I often tell a story about uh, when I was given the job, I was actually over in the US at the time and uh, Lexus was born out of the US. It was, it was actually a brand that was derived for the luxury export market into the US. And I wanted to understand the true core of the brand, where it came from. And I thought, well, I'll go and start with the best dealership over there, go and see the experience. And uh, I was challenged by the dealer principal at the time to say, Scott, you need to understand where the brand comes from before you come and visit my dealership. So I went to the founding fathers at the time over there in the US and got the backstory of where the brand was, where it came from. Uh, and then I rang the dealer principal at the time in the, in the US store and went to visit him. Um, I was picked up at 5.30 in the morning at Texas, um, at Texas Airport um, in his LC uh, vehicle. I got there. I had a cup of coffee sitting there waiting for me and in excess was on the radio. And I thought, it's very strange that he's got the coffee that I drink in a piccolo latte and there's an Australian band playing on the radio. It's very strange. Anyway, we got talking and he was talking about sport and leadership and happened to know a little bit about cricket on the way through. Anyway, long story. I said, look, this is, this is all too weird. Well, what's, what's happening here? 
And he said, Scott, I wanted to teach you a lesson. Um, and this is the first lesson that I want to teach you about Lexus. We try to anticipate what our guests need. We try to understand what they want. Um, so I've done my research. I contacted your, your EA in Australia. I contacted people that you know. Um, I understand your coffee was a piccolo latte. I understand your favourite brand was in excess. Um, I understand you play cricket. So my job this morning was to make you feel like you're at home with me. So for me, that really summed up the experience of Lexus and what, as a brand, we try and do around the world. So, Mark, your experience wasn't unique to you. It is what we try and do, but we do try and make you feel very special and like you are a guest in our home. Is that a Japanese cultural thing that if you welcome a guest into your home, um, you treat them in, in such a fashion? Because, I mean, it's probably not quite what we're used to here in Australia, um, Americans are very much that way. I mean, Americans are unbelievable in terms of customer care when we haven't been that used to that. It, or is this, does this all come from Japan or is this an American concept, this sense of welcoming you as if you are a guest into my home? Yeah, look, it's very much Japanese, very much Japanese. It comes from a word called omotenashi. And omotenashi is about um, anticipating your guests' needs, anticipating what their requirements are before they even ask for them. So it's about researching, it's about understanding, it's about welcoming, um, and it's about basically treating someone for life that way. So, yes, it's very much from a Japanese cultural point of view that's that's permeated around for our, for our brand around the world. That's very interesting. I guess, I mean, I don't know a lot about Japanese because I've only ever been there once, but I did have a pleasant experience. I, I also noticed one of the things when I was there, I was only there for a few days, but I noticed that it was extremely organised, the place. It was like mechanised. Um, I'd imagine within the Lexus organization that that type of culture would also permeate. That is an extremely organized place. And that is what I mean by that is that things happen when they're supposed to happen. Things get done when they're supposed to get done. And there's sort of no screwing up. I mean, things are just sorted. Is that your experience? I mean, obviously you're the CEO, you're going to probably say, yes, it is, because you're probably responsible for that. But I mean, is that the, the understanding that everybody has within the organization that we must do things on time, on budget, you know, not too hastily, well-organised, et cetera, et cetera? Look, the short answer is yes. Uh, it's very, very much a Japanese cultural thing, but, but I've worked for Western companies as well. I, I sort of evolved from playing professional cricket to working for Pacific Dunlop in the sporting goods industry, then came across to a Japanese company like uh, the organisation that we work for now. Uh, and I was blown away with the level of organisation when I came here, the, the rigour and process that goes around planning for our future. And uh, when you really look at it, it takes about seven years to fully develop a vehicle to go to market. Uh, and when you're so focused in terms of the safety and the care for our customers that we have in producing one of our cars, where quality is the heart of everything we do, you need that level of rigour and process and planning to ensure that you get it right when it goes to market. So I would answer to you, yes, but I think it very much is a Japanese culture. I have heard an analogy to say that over a 12-month period of time, there are certain cultures that will execute after a month and then get it wrong and fix it and get it wrong and fix it. And over 12 months, it'll cost them twice as much money, but they'll eventually have a product that goes to market. Whereas in the Japanese culture, they will plan for 11 months. And by the time they get there, it'll be 100% right when it goes to market. So it's, a, it's an analogy that's been used with me several times to try and explain it, but it is that relentless pursuit um, of, of perfection in terms of what they try and do. They don't always get it right, but uh, it, it's, a, it's a strong, strong guiding light. 
It's that's interesting because I mean I, I I have a playbook and I put out there you know it's all very well to have a great idea and have great ways of marketing things and um, you know being able to meet a market that is you know meet what the customer or demand wants in terms of the product or the service but at the end of the day it's all about execution you've got to be able to execute and you can't execute unless you have processes and structure in place I mean structure to me is incredibly important so important and uh, this is one of the pinnacles of um, execution in the world as a car business, a business that has to produce a certain type of car exactly the same for every customer that wants that exact same product around the world, not just here in Australia, but around the world, not just in Japan, but around the world. And as I understand it, for example, Lexus is the number one luxury selling car in the United States of America. Would that be right? It is. It is, yes. So you've got to execute properly and you can't just say, sit down and say, well, I'm going to execute. <laughs> You've got to have a structure in place and that requires huge amounts of discipline and process. Now, process is the most boring thing. No one ever wants to talk to me about process because they go, I just want to talk to you about the idea and the marketing. Okay, that, they're great, but you, there's no point having all that stuff if you can't deliver. Then you've got to be able to deliver. That means the product has to work and, and that whole process and has to be exactly correct. And it's no different to going out there with a game plan in a game of cricket or rugby league for that matter. You've got to go out there and you know exactly what the plan is and you stick to the plan. You don't panic, you plan it, then you execute it. And this is a great opportunity for people in small business who are listening to this podcast to see how the best, one of the best organizations in the world, particularly in relation to motor vehicles, does it. They do it. It's a cultural thing. It's not just, oh, here's the plan, put it in front of everybody. It's a cultural thing. Um, and it's embedded in every person's DNA who works in the organization, from the CEO to the person who's probably at the reception. Would that be right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, it, it can be slow. And, and, that, and that's part of, the, part of the challenge that we face every day is how do you plan effectively and execute almost perfectly every time, but still do it in terms of a timely manner? And that is the whole spirit of Kaizen, which is every day you're trying to do it a little bit better, a little bit faster, a little bit more accurately. Um, and that is the true spirit of our brand. But our plans are long and basically you know, seven years to develop a car. Some of those technologies take even longer than that to develop, to get into the car, because we have a very focused philosophy on safety. So we will not just execute a, a new technology for the sake of it. It has to be safe. So with that level of responsibility, it's incumbent on us to ensure that we basically do it right. Um, and you've got to remember that a car is probably the second most expensive purchase that someone will make in their life. And it doesn't actually end with the transaction. Our philosophy is we want customers for life. So it's the next transaction, the next transaction, whether it's the service or the tires or the next time they buy a car or the next time the family members buy a car. So our philosophy around our customers is customers for life. So it doesn't just end with that transaction of a motor vehicle. It goes on beyond that. So you, you play the long game or Lexus plays the long game. Most people in business today don't have that patience. I mean, what would you say to small business owners today, for example, who are probably worried or concerned? I mean, how do you actually employ that patience within yourself when others are out there controlling your environment? And what do you do? I mean, is that in this concept of Kaizen, do you sit around thinking to yourself, okay, I can't make any differences today because I can't actually change the, ec the economy around me. But what do you actually exercise in order to try and improve every day? What sort of things do you do personally? And what does your organization do at an organizational level to try and patiently stay the line, run the line, just keep our heads 
where they need to be instead of losing our heads. What would you say to people today? Yeah, look, I'll, I'll talk about what we've done, uh, and that, that probably gives some lessons. We focus on our brand. We focus on our customers. We focus on our people, and we focus on our dealers. And with that as a clear mindset moving into COVID, what, I think what it made us do was focus on the things that we can actually control versus the uncontrollables. And the things we can control in terms of our employees is ensuring that they have a strong focus on their mental health, a strong focus on understanding that they have job security, a strong strong focus on knowing that we're there for them in terms of communication, in terms of leadership. Also, oh, could I stop you there, Scott? Can I stop you in that in relation to employees? Because you know that's the heart of the business. Absolutely. How do you do that? I mean, what when you say do you just send an email and say, "Hey guys, I'm here if you need some help," or or do you go and speak to people? Do you reach out to them? You call them? You I mean, what what do you do? Because I mean, people will be saying, "Well, how do I do that?" All of the above. Uh, look, and I can only tell you some some things that I've done personally and, and the leadership group at our organisation have done, but communication is the key. Uh, we have ramped up our communication, albeit virtually at the moment. We're doing more communication to our entire staff than we probably ever have, and it's a great learning for the future. Not staged communication, genuine, open, based on integrity and genuine care for our people communication, and that's a big, been a big focus for us. We've looked at their pain points. We're doing a lot of research every week to understand what are the areas of concern they currently have. And we're physically trying to address all of those areas. Working from home is not easy for people who haven't got the right setups. So what can we do to help? Mental health is a challenge for people. How can we assist them? Is it providing expert opinions? Is it providing a a call centre they can call into? People who are at home with children at home, not being able to go to school. How can we support them? We've just launched a kids club. Uh, where we've basically provided subsidised Disney um, uh, subscriptions, where we've provided opportunities to learn dance, do colouring in competitions. Um, So all these types of things that we've done to try and help people in their environment right now, because without a productive workforce, we can't do what we do as an organisation. So it's a huge amount of time that we've spent focusing on our people, um, and it's not done. It's never ending. Um, it's, It's every day. And what you find is that people genuinely care and they actually are trying to help each other in this time of need. And it's been heartening as an organisation and a brand that we've got a culture that uh, is embedded in people and they are generally trying to help people across their organisation. And I think what I get out of that is that, um, and maybe our listeners could get this too, is that I think in these environments, particularly in relation to your staff and or your contractors and or all those colleagues that you deal with to make your business work, You need to build a community. We haven't before this. I mean, like one of the things that comes out of COVID is we need to build a community and uh, a better genuine community where we are genuinely involved within our community. Can I ask you, Scott, how do you now extend that and push that down through to your customers? So, I mean, do you have your salespeople, for example, uh, ring up customers and say, g'day, Mark, how are you going? Are you okay? Or do you send emails? Well, what do you do in relation to your customer retention and your customer care, yeah. apart from your products, apart from the, apart from the innovations? Yeah, look, it, it's a great question. Uh, I often get asked, you know, we've just come off the back last year of one of our record years ever. It was our record year ever. And the, 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 I was asked, what's the secret ingredient? And I said, look, there is no secret ingredient. There's ingredients. Uh, we have a fantastic dealer network who generally understands customer care. We have great people uh, who work for us and who understand what our brand needs to do now and into the future. And we have a long-term vision and long-term plan about providing a a leadership position in luxury experiences. 
And I often get stopped there. And what does luxury experiences actually mean? You're a car company who sells a product. And I said, look, our brand was developed based on customer service and our own customer care. And, and that's a very static way to think about uh, an industry and a position on customers. We've expanded that to customer experiences because we believe the transaction that we have in buying a car is only the start of our relationship. And experiences mean that we try to offer things to our customers that go beyond a simple piece of metal. Um, one of the examples of that is a, a product that, that we, we have called Encore. And Encore is a set of uh, ownership benefits that we provide to our customers in every purchase. It includes cap price servicing for their vehicles. So they have a sense of understanding what the vehicle service will cost. What does that mean? It means that they have certainty around what their service costs will be every time they come in to get their car serviced. So there's no more haggling. There's no more lack of understanding. They understand transparently what their service will cost on that vehicle. We do other things in terms of a service loan car. So again, convenience is part of that relationship. When they come in to get their car serviced, we give them another car that they can drive away with for their day. So they haven't got to be inconvenienced by waiting for their car to be serviced. Or if they choose, they can make a phone call to our dealerships and simply have the car delivered and picked up from their offices. So their time is not inconvenienced at all. Because what we've identified is convenience is part of that relationship. You know, we provide things to the, our customers in terms of experience opportunities around fine dining opportunities. We provide opportunities around golf. Uh, we provide opportunities in a range of opportunities just to try and make sure the relationship is fostered with this mindset of customers for life because loyalty uh, is the key to success of any business. One-off transactions probably won't work for too many businesses around the world. Uh, we believe that with loyalty, they'll come back again, again, and again. And the second part to Encore, which we've launched this year, is another set of services that we've called Encore Platinum, which are available for our uh, for some of our customers across our range. And our L and F series customers actually get the extra benefit of Encore Platinum. But again, this is around the same ethos. This is around providing uh, a second opportunity to, to use a car that may not be um, the one that they've bought in the past. So, for example, Mark, if you're driving one of our sports saloons in an LC, let's say, for example, but you would like to go to the snow with your family, well, while the LC is a fantastic vehicle, maybe a large SUV may be a better option for you to go to the snow. So what we do is we actually provide you with the opportunity several times in, the, in your ownership experience that you can borrow a car for up to eight days and take your family away in an SUV. And again, that's just understanding the needs of our individual customers. Uh, another one that's very close to my heart because I do so much traveling. I can remember sitting in the US a couple of years ago and I'd been on a circuit for about six or seven weeks, state to state, hiring cars, driving around. The time it's spent to do those things, parking, hiring cars, and then when you physically get to your car, the car may not be to the standard that you want. So as part of Encore Platinum, we've opened that experience up where you can actually park your car at your home destination. But when you arrive at your travel destination, we'll have a car there waiting for you as part of the Qantas There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. LA service. And you can pick that Lexus up and you can take that car. So these types of things we've started to think about to provide that luxury to our experience for our customers. Ballet parking opportunities in Westfield shopping centres. And there's more to come in this package. But I think that the message I'm trying to say is that it goes beyond the simple transaction of a vehicle. It's about creating experiences for our customers. And it's about having a long-term relationship that we can foster and grow over time. I, I like the concept of making it easy for an owner because um, we live in complicated times and we actually live in um, uncertain times. So if I can establish certainty in any of my undertakings, whether it's how I drive or a holiday, um, where I park my car, just certainty. Certainty is a big deal. If I could just, if you, if someone could take that, which yeah. you guys are tr- trying to do right now with your Encore programs and the extension of the Encore program, if you can take that out of my life and give me certainty in that one particular aspect, then I can do all my stressing about other things. I can actually redirect my stressing. Or maybe I just can take a little bit of stress out of my life and maybe smile a bit more and be a bit more happy with what I do. I mean, I, I think that's quite clever. And that sort of, sort of tends to indicate to me something quite important. Your industry is incredibly competitive, incredibly competitive. So organizations like you and the other organizations out there, the other motor vehicle brands, you have to be doing something better and different all the time. And I mean, I, I see people in business, all, all types of businesses, and, and I'm always saying to them, the world is becoming more competitive in everything we do. I don't care what business you're in. And you have to go the extra mile. And generally speaking, it goes beyond the product. It becomes more the the service, the offering, or in your case, what you're saying is the service, which equals the experience. So everybody's got to get on board with this sort of stuff. How does your organization, how do you sit down and brainstorm innovative changes? I mean, what is that? Because most people sitting around and say, well, how do I do that? How do you do that? Would you say to your staff, well, let's let's all get together and sit down. We're going to work out this new Encore system. But how does this stuff work? How does it brainstorm? Great question, Mark. Look, uh, let me give you two analogies. Um, The first comes from cricket. And I got told many, many years ago that um, if you have one eye on your competition and only one eye on the game you're playing, you're not giving it your full focus. So you've got to focus on what you're doing all the time. And I think that's that comes into business as well. And that's the way that we think about it. It's what can we do? What can we do to help? What can we do to improve? And that means you've got to have a very strong plan, a very strong culture, and a very strong understanding of where you're going. We always think about how it's going to be from the mind of the consumer. It's a consumer-first mentality is what we try and encourage. What does the consumer need? What does the consumer want? How can we improve their lives? And that's a very big focus for us. The next part of that is who's going to execute on that? And for us, it's our dealers. We don't do it in head office. It's our dealers. So our dealers need to understand that mindset. And I think one of the advantages and competitive advantages that I say is our people understand that. 
Uh, I believe our customers understand that and that's testament to some of the awards that we win. Uh, but I think our dealers truly understand that. And, and I think that is a great thing for us. So we brainstorm all the ideas, but we work, work very consultively with our dealers and dealer bodies to understand whether it can be executed because you can have as many great ideas, as many brainstorming sessions as you like. I think the reality now is it, it, when the rubber hits the road it, is when it's key. And the, and the reason I say that is because it needs to be executed and our dealers are the focus point for us. So if we can't be aligned in that thinking way, uh, great ideas are just great ideas. So we work very closely with our dealers to ensure that these great ideas can come to life, can be executed effectively. Uh, because again, we have so many great ideas and so many brainstorming sessions, but without the consultative council, without our dealers involved in it, we can't actually get them to our customers because we don't deal directly with our customers. But our dealers play such an instrumental role in what we do because they touch the customers every single day. Uh, whether it be in a service or it's in a sale opportunity. So we have to trust them. We have to listen to them. And we and we do that. We're just going to take a quick break and then we're going to be straight back with Scott Thompson. So I'm back from the break and we're talking to Scott Thompson, the CEO from Lexus Australia. So... Uh, okay, well, that's that's the, the service proposition at the dealer level. As you say, the dealers are the ones dealing with the customers. That's innovation. That is very innovative. And by the way, I mean, that's my experience with your organisation. I mean, I have experience, personally experienced this stuff. But the car itself, there's a lot of innovation in relation to your range of cars. You've got a big range of cars. You've got your really big, you know, I don't know, is it like a saloon car, I don't know what you call it, like a really big car, like <laughs> It's, and then you've got your SUVs and you've got your sports models, et cetera, and then you've got your in-between models. You've got a number of – a range of cars and you've got lots of – within each category. So you've got lots of SUVs, your smaller ones, big ones. You've got uh, hybrids, et cetera. The innovation that goes into the cars themselves, the product, what are you trying to achieve? Are you trying to be the most luxurious car in the world? Are you trying to be the most, I don't know, fastest car in the world. Like I, I got an LC 500, like my God, it goes so, it's ridiculous. I mean, it takes off like a Aston Martin type car. It goes, boom, goes off. It's like, I got a shock. When I got in it, I got a shock. The sound of it's so cool. And uh, I like, it could be, I don't know, uh, it could be in a movie, you know, like uh, it's actually really powerful car. It's really cool. It's good. I love it. I love it. And it's fast. It's really luxurious inside. It's quite beautiful to be honest with you inside. It's beautiful to look at on the outside. Um, what are you trying to achieve at uh, Lexus? Are you trying to be the most luxurious, the fastest, the coolest, the most innovative in terms of, you know, how a braking system works or the efficiency of the the engines? What, what's the, the deal? I think the reality is the word that comes to mind is brave, brave. The next word that comes to mind is technology, not for technology's sake, but for safety's sake and for comfort's sake. So with those two things in mind, we try and be, cutting edge in terms of what we do in terms of the design aspects, but there's got to be thoughtful design. Um, it's got to be thoughtful in the sense that what's the benefit to the customer? What's the benefit to the eye? What's the benefit to the aesthetics? So there needs to be a benefit. It can't just be for design for design's sake. In terms of technology, there has to be a benefit again to the customer. So it's considered technology in terms of what we do, not just for the sake of it. It's got to be considered. And the overarching thing for all of our products is safety. 
safety needs to be at paramount in everything that we do. So we will not make excuses for safety. Safety needs to be at the heart of everything that we do in all of our vehicles. So that just gives you a bit of an insight into how we think. And you've got to remember some of this technology um, that goes into these cars is takes years to develop. Um, our hybrid technology is probably one of the best examples of, you know, over 20 years of hybrid technology. Uh, we sell more than 35% of our total model range now in hybrids. Uh, when we first started that, um, people thought we were strange. Today, it, it is, you know, a self-charging electric motor that, that is focused on the environment and the efficiencies. And, and people are basically accepting the technology more today than ever before. So, um, I think it's considered technology, considered design, um, and again, focusing on the safety for our guests. Because the Japanese are renowned for their technological prowess. I mean, they have been for, you know, for as long as I can remember, 40, 50 years I've known, I've known of that. Their technological prowess in, in everything, in all their products, whatever they do in terms of electronics especially. Um, the cars that I've driven from Lexus – are as technological advanced as any car I've ever driven anywhere from any brand. But equally equal to that, um, I get this sense that um, there's something very warm or, I don't know, there's a texture when you get in the car. There's a texture when you look at the car. There's a feel about the car inside. It's sort of, uh, it's tactile. There's something, you feel like you want to touch things. There's this tactile thing. And I know that you guys send these little origami uh, setups out to people, see if they can complete them within a certain amount of time. And it, can you just explain that stuff to me? That how that warmth or that uh, that whole that sort of putting your arm around you, but not at the top. They're not actually putting your arm around you. If you know what I mean, I, I just I find it very hard to explain. Could you explain yeah. it? Maybe it's better. You, it's probably a Japanese word you're going to throw at me. But anyway, yeah. Now look, I'll, I'll try. But it comes back to Omitanashi. It really does. It comes back to anticipating guest guest needs. The Japanese warmth that you're explaining is is the culture. It is the brand. And what Lexus tries to do is bring that to life. It is the tactile materials that we choose, the careful consideration of design elements, um, the focus in terms of technology where you need it, the ease and convenience of using some of those technologies, the ergonomics that we put in. So it's all of those things in combination. But at its heart, it is all about that Japanese warmth coming through in a product that you buy. So when you do get in and you do touch a piece of material, you do use a piece of technology, you do get service through it. There's all those elements that are trying to come to life because we are very true to the heritage of where our brand came from and we're very proud of it. And many, many years ago, that probably wouldn't have been as much in focus. But right now, the Japanese culture is very, very au fait, very much. People, people love Japanese food. They love travelling to Japan. Um, they love seeing the way that they're treated. Um, they love to, love seeing that the additional efforts that are gone to to make you feel welcome. Um, our brand tries to deliver that into an automobile and the service we provide. Uh, it's funny you should say because you just reminded me of something. Um, for many years, um, my four sons lived with me in, in the city in Sydney. We had a, an apartment there. And um, once or twice a week, we used to go to this restaurant in Sydney called Azuma. It's a Japanese restaurant. And uh, the, the wife of the guy, Azuma, her name is Yuki. And uh, when my younger son, James, who is now 28, whenever he had his birthday when he was a little kid, um, we would always hold his birthday at Azuma restaurant because it was his favourite restaurant. And we would go in there to be usually during the middle of the week so there was no one ever there and we would all sit at a table and they would always bring a small cake. They would make a cake for him, just, just a little thing, uh, no big deal, whatever they had. 
Anyway, that went on for many, many years and we used to take a photograph of it and we'd, we'd, we'd share the photograph around. And recently I went back there. I hadn't been for a while because my kids are all grown up now and I went back there and Yuki was still there. And she welcomed me in the place like a family member and it was actually quite touching to be frank with you and I'm not the sort of person but I, I felt quite warm about it. And she reminded me of Jimmy. She remembered his name. And she's not a Lexus dealer. She's just a Japanese person running a restaurant. So it seems to me that that's a, a permeating Japanese cultural thing that you're talking about. They welcomed me into that place like I was a, a family member. And I, I want to say to all the listeners, I mean, that that's just not some thing that the CEO, Scott Thompson, is making up. That whole Japanese attitude, which I think is extraordinary and something we can learn from here in Australia, is real. It's real. And um, that's a fantastic thing to be working within. That must be a great feeling to work in that environment. Absolutely. I, I, you know, I, I do quite a few presentations now on our culture and our ethos and things to people. And and people say, because once you tell them that I've been there for 16 years, and oh, it's a long time to be in a company, you know, bits and pieces. And uh, the overall thing is I'm proud of who I work for. I'm proud for the brand. I'm proud for what it stands for. I'm proud for what it does. So I think that's I think that's a rare thing, but but I think it's something that I go to sleep every night being very proud of who I work for. And that pride hopefully permeates in how I speak about the brand and what I say. And I know, I know all of our dealers do the same thing and most of our employees, or not all of our employees, feel the same way. So it, it is nice to work for a company that generally cares. I actually have enjoyed the opportunity to understand this culture and I have to say in particular during the COVID environment and the importance of community and the importance of um, going the extra mile and the importance of welcoming everyone within your business, whether it's a customer or even a staff member, welcoming as if they're your, a guest in your home. Um, I actually think that there's something, there's something particularly edgy about that. And uh, although it's been happening in Japan for thousands of years, um, we have a lot to learn and, and I think good stuff to learn from these environments and we should be able to use it in our business. Absolutely. I, I won't harp on any more about the culture. I want to ask you something a bit, a bit, a bit more hard-edged. Up until probably dur- during the beginning of the first phase, we're talking about Victoria, but the first phase across Australia, um, as I understand it, the car industry was doing it a bit tough uh, for a couple of months there. Um, but now I understand there's been a change and that cars are selling quite well because there's a new mindset of Australians around the importance of a car or the comfort of a car. Can you just now explain it to me? I find this fascinating. This is a real phenomenon. Yeah. Probably only exists in your industry. Yeah, look, it is an interesting thing because I think when COVID hit and the the doom and gloom was starting to appear across Australia, um, people were searching for hope. Um, I think the government did a great job in terms of the stimulus package they offered. Um, and one of those stimulus opportunities was in the car industry um, to basically instant asset write-off and purchase a vehicle. And I think that sense of hope um, appeared for a lot of people is that I can't travel overseas. I can't do the things that I would normally do. But maybe what I can do is I can consider spending some more time in Australia. And maybe I need to get a new vehicle to do that. Maybe I need to upgrade my transportation, whether it be for safety reasons or convenience reasons or 
pure hope into the future. So the car industry did benefit from that. Uh, there's no doubt about that. And, and car sales have been quite strong uh, through the period of time. Um, and our brand in particular have done, has done very well, which is very fortunate for us at the moment. Um, but I think, yeah, it is a phenomenon. I, th I think there's a combination of things. Um, but again, I think it's that sense of hope, Mark, is what people are looking for, that sense of escapism and opportunity, upgrade their life. Um, and a car is one of those opportunities that you can do that. I never thought about it, but... But I have since thought since thought about it, and um, like I live in Sydney, I've got a farm up near Ballina, um, and I don't really want to get on an aeroplane at the moment if I if I don't have to. But if I want to go up there, I'm going to have to drive. Well, if I want to take people with me, I want everybody to enjoy the experience. So I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I would say to myself, well, I want to make sure the car I got will fit everybody in or fit all the bloody stuff I've got to take with me. I've got to take you know luggage and other things with it. I, I need room. And I would have thought, for example, the SUV mark would be on fire for that that type of thing. People traveling. Oh, definitely, hundred percent. The SUV market is is absolutely on fire. It's where a lot of the direction is going um, from an overall automotive point of view, especially medium SUV. Uh, but definitely, I think that personal convenience, that personal safety bubble. Uh, I think the convenience of having all the things you need in and around you, a controlled environment. I think that's adding to to the benefits of um, personal mobility. Um, and I think that's where the car industry in general is benefiting from this in terms of that sense of hope. I can drive to my farmhouse or my neighbor's house or my friends or a holiday. Uh, and I want to do it the way I want to do it. So I think there is a benefit there in terms of that sense of hope and that personal uh, protection zone that's occurring. And the car is uh, uh, benefiting from that. Yeah, but a car has become like our buddy. I mean, like it's it's our new mate. Uh, we, we, we sort of hang out with a car in some respects. Um, it's it's something we a, we want to be identified with, but we also want to identify with it ourselves. I want to know that, you know, from the moment I get out in my car and I drive out of my house, I'm not thinking about, oh, I'm going to Byron Bay and I'm going to enjoy myself when I get to Byron Bay. I want to think that I'm enjoying myself from the moment I get in my car. Hmm. I, I, that's part of the whole, the whole deal. I'm, I, I'm going to Byron Bay, but I want to think, I'm going to be in the car for the next eight hours. So that's one day. That's one whole day of my five-day trip. Mm. So I want to make sure every minute of that five-day five, five day trip, including the moment I get in the car and turn on the radio, whatever it is I'm going to turn on, that I'm enjoying myself. And if I've got someone with me, I want them to have the same thing. So I, I can sort of understand why cars are running out the door, like why all of a sudden people are going, yeah, I've got to get myself a good vehicle. And pricing's pretty good these days, relatively speaking. Pricing's very good these days. Mm. COVID's sort of got a bit of a, a backhanded benefit for the car industry, particularly good quality cars and the cars that deliver all the things that you're talking about, that, that sense of warmth once you get inside the thing. Um, is Lexus leveraging this? Are you trying to push this point? I mean, make sure that everybody understands what I'm now experiencing because not a lot of not everybody's experienced it yet. Look, I think what we're focusing on is, is the, the simple fact is we're here for we're here for customers. That's our opening conversation. We're here for you, uh, and that's been our catch cry throughout this COVID period of time. It's been a difficult situation for everybody, so we're trying to say from a brand point of view, we're here for you uh, now and into the future. Um, so again, it, the product will be the manifestation of that in the early stage, but the overarching experience needs to be manifested over a longer period of time. So I think if you're true to your brand, which I mentioned before, if true to your brand and true to who you are and genuinely have that conversation with consumers, then they start to think about hope and what do I need and what do I need from a product? Uh, generally, I think in most, most products around the world, if you understand the genuine nature of a relationship, 
and the general integrity that a brand can be a part of your life, then I think you tend to choose those brands. So that's where we're trying to focus as an organization. I think what you're saying, Scott, is from my point of view anyway, is extremely important. That narrative of hope versus the narrative of fear is incredibly important right now. And uh, whether it's Lexus, the car brand, or whether it's Scott Thompson, the CEO from Lexus, or whether it's anybody else, we need to hear more about that narrative, that narrative of hope versus the narrative of fear. So wherever we can, um, we need to embrace that concept of hope, whether it's you know the car we drive, the community we hang out in, the family we go home at night to see or we hang out with on the weekend. That's what Australians have got to hang on to. That's the thing we've got to, we've got to strive towards, much, much, much more hope. Now, I look up behind you in your uh, set here, which is your, your bar, your gym, and I see two bottles of Japanese whiskey. Mm-hmm. My favourite Japanese whiskey <laughs> is, I think it's called Hibuki. Hibuki or, Hibuki or something like that. Is that the one? That's it. That is it. Did you know that's my favourite Japanese whiskey? Because if you did, you're gonna, that's really going <laughs> to no, freak me know. out. That that would I was better. I was thinking to myself. I wish I did. Because well, you should have said yes. Because <laughs> you had me. Because I would have thought, how the hell did he know that? Did he get into my house? <laughs> Mark, if you don't mind, I've got a question for you. I was a loyal customer of Wizard for many many years. I, I believe that the Wizard uh, franchise changed the way that we looked at banking. Um, there was obviously a a different focus in that time for you around an opportunity in the market around customer care, customer satisfaction, and a different way of doing business. My question for you is, you've obviously had a long-standing history around focus on customer satisfaction. Has that view changed over time? And the second part to that question is, will it change again post-COVID? I actually think it's more that more of the same, and I've. It's funny, Scott. You should say that. I, I, I dare say Paul Ryan got you into the wizard line. Um, <laughs> he definitely did. Yep. Yeah, um, but uh, the thing that I there's no such thing in my industry anyway as an Amani dollar or a, a special dollar. A dollar's a dollar, whether it comes from Wizard or Yellow Brick Road or CBA or ANZ. It's, the money's the same. The only thing that we have we could offer that is different everybody else's, maybe a fast approval, confidence that you are going to get the approval, that we are going to settle with you on the day, that we are giving you the, the you know the right interest rate. It may not always be the, exactly the sharpest, but it's going to be in the money every time. And then if you need to go and see the person who did the loan for you, that person's shop is always going to be open or you can get them on the phone or you can get them through all the various other mediums that we, we go through today, Zoom, et cetera. Um, so probably in the last, a bit like yourself, Um, In the last six months, the concept of service has become incredibly important um, and certainty. Will I get this loan approved? Now, even if I can't approve the loan, well, not me personally, but our organization can't approve the loan, what we've got to be doing is we've got to be certain as to tell the customer that, look, we don't think we can do that deal because, you know, the credit might be not as good or there might be something within our credit criteria that doesn't satisfy somebody, their particular circumstances. The game here is in the service proposition is to make sure that person knows straight away. So like within 24 hours or 48 hours, so they can go to somewhere else. And from our point of view, we even direct them somewhere else. So we want our service to extend to that to say, look, we can't do that particular loan for you, but this organization can. It won't be one of the banks. It'll be someone who's sort of outside of the banking system. Our service proposition, like yours, 
has gone way beyond what we would have considered to be a really well-priced product. Now it is really about looking after customers at on every aspect. And not only that, come back and see me in six months' time. I'll tell you if you've got the best rate. And if I, you haven't got the best rate, I'm going to write you the best rate. And come back and talk to me about properties you bought. We're happy to talk to you about what our experiences are in the property market, right down to how I project out my own mediums, my Instagram medium and my Facebook mediums in relation to the Yellow Brick Road brand. We're always out there about educating people. I mean, the thing that people want to know is what's happening in the home loan market? What's happening uh, macroeconomically? What's happening with the economy? Are interest rates going to go up or down? Um, what are the best deals in town? When should I refinance? Should I always have a two in front of my interest rate? And if I've got a three in front of my interest rate, what should I do? So, uh, yeah, the service proposition has become acutely important during this COVID period, more important than I think ever it was in the wizard day. Um, then we were able to sort of jump off the fact that we were a brand new challenger and we actually had people who would come and see you or you would come and see us as opposed to, and we would make, we would give you the comfort of a decision there and then. Um, and you knew you had someone fighting for you in your corner. Um, today it goes way beyond that and uh, we have to be there every step of the way, like you just said, every step right through from the day you get the loan with us to the day you pay us back and might want another loan or to the day you want six loans with us for six different properties. Because uh, our industry is extraordinarily competitive like yours. There's not a lot of margin either. So I've got to keep the customer for as long as I can. I know in your game there's not much margin either. So, so therefore you make your money by keeping your customer as long as possible and have, being in touch with the customer forever. And I think – I think that's the way business is going to go in the future. All margins are going to reduce and it's going to be about volume, but it's not just about volume. It's going to be about retaining the customer for the life of the customer, not the life of the loan or the life of the car ownership, but the life of the customer. In other words, you want them to keep coming back time and time again. And there's only one way you can do that. They're going to like you. And people are pretty smart today. They're not going to like you unless you're genuine, you're authentic, you really do care, you really do add some value to their life. Somehow, education, or in your case, in the, in the, what you're promoting in terms of Lexus, in terms of convenience, consistency, certainty, uh, luxury experiences, you've got to add value to people's lives. Otherwise, they're not going to give you the life, the customer life. They just won't. There's too many options out there. So, hopefully, that answers your question. But it has become acutely aware. I've become acutely aware of this during this COVID period. Yeah, it does. Thanks, Mark. Great lessons. Scott Thompson, CEO of Lexus Australia. Thanks very much. It's been a wonderful uh, discussion with you. I, I, I really have enjoyed the way you've parlayed the whole, all the Japanese concepts that Lexus embraces and pushes around the world, particularly here in Australia. I've really enjoyed you opening up that conversation to us and explaining to us how that all starts and how it is all executed on a day-to-day basis. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. I really appreciate your time, Mark. It's been fantastic to talk to you. Really appreciate it.